Welcome to A Bevy of Bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club. My name's Noddy, and as always, I'm joined by Steve-O. And in this episode number eight, we're going to talk about the game just played against the Suns, a few general topics in the AFL-VFL, as well as the game ahead against the Cats. So to all you signets and swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a very biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. G'day, Steve-O. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, mate. I'm all right, all things considered. How are you? Mate, I'm feeling flat as a tack, and let me tell you... <laughs> Let me tell you why. On Saturday, the 24th of April, in front of almost 10,000 people at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast, the third-place Swans came up against the 15th-place Suns at their home ground in a game that most red and white fans would probably have considered very disappointing, being comprehensively beaten by the more accurate, hungry and efficient Suns who decisively outplayed us to the tune of a 40-point winning margin, scoring 15-10-100 to Sydney's 9 6 60. Righto, Steve-O, first impressions. What did you make of that, mate? Yeah, that that about sums it up, doesn't it? Um, um, (laughs) Yeah, look, um, footy is a fickle business, I think. Um, Like one week... (laughs) One week you're counting your rising star nominations and and telling the world how wonderful you are through Instagram, and then um and then a couple of weeks later you've lost two in a row against teams who probably won't make the finals, and your kids look tired and the effort's low and 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 I say that, but like it has been coming. I mean we it's been a bit of a gradual drop off um over the last couple of weeks, and I mean their players they worked harder, they wanted the ball more. Um, like, like I said, they're not a team that's probably going to make finals, but they're a young team that's trying to rebuild just like we are. And um, I would think we're probably a couple of years ahead of them on the rebuild. We've got a more experienced core than they've got, but their effort made us look ordinary and credit to them. Yeah, look, to me, like we just struggled. We struggled across the board. Skills, execution, decision-making, forward entries, the way in which we entered for, forward 50 creating scoring opportunities, but it wasn't always due to the Suns' pressure. Um, had a few things have gone our way, the margin could have been closer, uh, but that I think would have been unfair and it wouldn't have been a true reflection of our overall lacklustre performance. So, yeah, they were my first impressions. Um, in terms of key takeaways, mate, what, what were yours? I think pretty similar to last week really, um, at least at least my first one, um, would be that you know, sides have started to work hard on how to break down the quick ball movement and uncontested mark style um, short kicking that did so well for the Swans in the first three rounds. Um, but then, like you said, I mean, pressure is not the only reason. There's, there's pressure every week at AFL level. Um, you know, if, if a game style can't withstand pressure, then it's not a sustainable game style. Um, and, and again, you know, the Suns, they forced us, forced us to kick along down the line. Our forward 50 entries were often long bombs to packs because we couldn't get those those quick ones um, through the corridor that we've been doing so well. Um, Personnel-wise, I don't see that as a big issue either. I mean, if you look at um, the team that played, besides Rampy, McCartan and Hickey, that was pretty much the team that beat Brisbane and Richmond. We didn't have Franklin for those two games and we still played really, really well. We've brought in good replacements in Millican, Brand and Sinclair that can do a job. So, you know, personnel isn't the difference. And I think it's like, I really, I look at it and I think it's a young side and they're going to be up and down. And we expect that and we expected that at the start of the year. And I think I was saying to you before, um, just before we, we started the recording that I wish we'd just save our bad outings for the games we're not likely to win. Like, why can't we pull out the bad game against the dogs or Melbourne or Port and not, um, and not do that against a team we could have beaten and got four points out of like that's um i was gonna say it might be something to do with helping our percentage but having been beaten by 40 that also didn't help us so yeah, yeah it's a look for me look you, you you mentioned just now we had obviously we're obviously missing a fair few key players but yeah the suns were too they were without their their captain jared witz who's their key ruck and a fantastic ruckman sam day has been a key uh, the key forward uh, while ben king sort of comes into his own and is obviously doing very well, kick 5-1. Um, Buderick is is one of their uh, young and upcoming players in the back line. Obviously, it's been covered with Markov and and uh, Powell. But Matt, Matty Rowell, number one pick, you know, I know he's only played four games or whatever, but that's he'd be in anyone starting 22. So the Suns also had players out, yet they just, they, they just figured us out and wanted it more. 
You know, um, the fact that we're not even close to being able to execute a game plan like we showed in rounds one to three was just, it was really sort of disheartening. It was our lowest score for the year, the Suns' highest score against us, their biggest margin against us, and the most points they've scored in a game all year. The other closest score, highest score from them, was 98 points against the last-placed Kangaroos in round two. So a few sobering points there, I think. But if we look at the quarter-by-quarter uh, quarter breakdown, it, it becomes very clear, you know, like end of first quarter, the Suns won it by seven. So the Suns kicked four goals to our three. So somehow we were still in it. You know, it wasn't, wasn't too damaging at that point. We jump ahead to the second quarter. They've won by 15, but then they're, they're, they lead at halftime by 22. Third quarter is probably our worst quarter. Um, they scored, sorry, in the second, they scored four goals to our one. In the third, they scored five goals to our one. So th this was really the damaging quarter, the third quarter. You know, the Suns won that by 27 points uh, with a lead uh, at the end of the third quarter by 49 points. Obviously, we came back a little bit. We actually ended up winning the fourth quarter by nine. We scored four goals to their two, but obviously the damage had already been done. Uh, and that's how they were victorious by 40. Um, and so that was how the quarter by quarter played out. Um, obviously, it wasn't pretty viewing, especially for the, the second and third quarter. And you and I were texting each other when we we're preparing for this podcast and watching the replay, just going, goodness, do we have to put ourselves through this again? But we soldiered on, um, you know, we, we tried our best to pick out the, 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 the points um, to put into the podcast. But Give some stats, Steve-O. Give us a few stats. What did you find interesting? Um, one of them rolls on from what you just said, our lowest score of the year. And our, our scores have actually gone progressively lower as the year's gone on. So round one, we got 125 points. Then we got 121. Then we got 117. And they're all good. Then we dropped down to 83, which is still a winning score. We beat Essendon. Then it was 69, and now it's 60. So there's been a, a drop-off in our ability to hit the scoreboard which is a bit, um, a bit of a concern. Um, another stat which has been dropping off a bit the last couple of weeks especially is our marks inside 50. We took eight against the Suns. Against Brisbane, we took 23. Against Adelaide and Richmond, we got 15 in both of those games. 18 still against Essendon. Last week against the Giants, we got nine and now eight. So that's a massive drop-off in our marks inside 50. Um, and then if you look just around the ground at the stat sheet of all the players of the... Um, 18 lowest disposal winners on the ground. 13 of the lowest 18 were Swans players. That's a lot of Swans players that aren't getting their hands on the ball very much. Yeah, um, I'm going to back up your point here. I've looked at, at our inside 50s, the percentage of inside 50s that become goals, and then also in relation to our overall conversion. So how, how many times we actually score goals. Um, and so I've actually, I've gone through and looked at each game from rounds one to six, uh, and it, it backs up perfectly in numbers, what you're saying there, like the fact that our scores have dropped off from, from 125 right down to 60. So the most interesting thing about what I'm about this uh, breakdown that I'm about to mention is that we had one more inside 50 than the Suns. So we'll just keep that in mind as we work through. We had 53 inside 50s where they had 52. So if we just look at inside 50s alone, um, we averaged 61 from rounds one to three, and then we're average, averaging 55 from rounds three to six. Before the Suns game, we averaged 59, so it's about there. But um, when, once we include uh, the Suns game for the first six games, we're on 58. So, look, it's, it's not a bad uh, average to have. Um, I think we were saying that, you know, AFL teams usually hope to have anything from 50 to 60 inside 50s per game. Um, but the, the really important thing is how many of those inside 50s are turning into goals. And so this is, this is the thing that I, I found very interesting. In rounds one, two and three, uh, we've scored 32.2%, sorry, 32.2% of our inside 50s became goals. In round two against the Crows, 29.5%. In round three against Richmond, 27.4%. And then we have a drop uh, against Essendon, 19.6%. 
GWS 18.2%, and against the Suns, our lowest of the year, 17%. So it, there's a direct correlation there, obviously. Um, but I think we're saying that uh, 30% is probably reflective of uh, a quality of team that's going to via. Uh, you know, bat, um, try their best to make the top four. So let's say 30% is a pretty good mark um, to have. So we've gone from 32, 29, 27 in rounds one, two, three. We've uh, like almost a 10% drop. Now we're at 19, 18 and 17. So that actually doesn't even consider our conversion, which has sort of fluctuated between 63 and 40 40 being the Essendon game where we had all those behinds. The, very, the other interesting thing here is that um, the Suns had 52 inside 50s, but they scored, uh, sorry, 28.8% of their inside 50s became goals. So they're actually, that stat for them is up around that, that very high 30%. So th their effort uh, against, against us was probably indicative of a top, four to six, definitely a top 18. So we can't take the, anything away from the Suns in that regard. But in terms of overall conversion, funnily enough, we had 60% and the Suns had 60%. It was just for the fact that we, we, could, we couldn't really use it well once we got it in there. So, yeah, goodness. With all that in mind, <laughs> I know there's a fair few numbers there, Steve, and your head's probably spinning. But, um, yeah, I think it just backs up your point, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I know it was sort of tough viewing, especially for a second and third quarter, but did you have any favourite moments, mate? I guess the, it's not really a moment. It was a very long moment, the fourth quarter at least. I mean, one thing I did like, they were down by what, 47, 49, something like that at three-quarter time, um, you know, a lot, eight goals. And that's the sort of margin that can easily turn into an 80-plus point loss. They didn't. They sort of, they they applied themselves and they knuckled down and they, they actually pegged the margin back a little bit in the final quarter. They, they showed a little bit of pride and a little bit of, um, a little bit of, you know, desire to not get completely smacked off the park and end up losing by 40 points, which, um, which is still not great, but, but that um, at least was something. And then, yeah, Florent kicked a really nice goal in the late in the third quarter, a couple of minutes to go in the third quarter, Kennedy and Parker win it out of the stoppage. Florent, gets a handball on the outside and boom, hits a really nice goal from about 45 just inside the boundary on the broadcast side. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a highlight. It was nice to see that. And, and in a pretty dreary day for a Swans fan, it was good to at least get one thing for the highlight reel. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I know it was, I had to sift through and I was wondering whether or not just to mention Blakey's double poster is my favorite moment, but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were a couple and uh, I think I'll go with the second one. Um, no, I'm going to go with the first one. Okay. So with about five and a half minutes left in the first quarter, um, we, we took it down the line and backed each other up. And it was the passage of play that led to Goulden taking a mark just outside the inside 50. And he, he played on and then all he had to do was kick over the top to Florent. Um, so this is not, I'm not really highlighting my favorite part of this passage because the, the, the good stuff came before that point. Um, but then Lockie Weller to his credit, or I, I don't know, seemed to read the, the, the play so well that he played on and was able to smother it. And then obviously this was, um, you know, unfortunate for us because that was a, a definite goal. I think I've complained to you enough that 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 probably, you know, as a biased Swans fan, that was definitely not legal. It should have been a 50, blah, blah, blah. But you, you, you <laughs> explained to me why it wasn't. And thank you very much. We don't have maybe to put maybe it was. That. I mean, the, the rules change so often that I'm not even sure if I'm up to date, to be honest. Maybe it was a 50. <laughs> the other one, the other one, it was quite similar to this. It was, um, it was a kick on, uh, it was a couple of minutes into the third quarter. It was a kick in from Lloyd. Um, so it was a transition from our defensive uh, 50 to the forward 50. Um, so it's a kick. Lloyd kicks to Cunningham, who kicks to McInerney on the center wing. Um, he goes inboard to Parker, who handballs back to McInerney, who's who showed a bit of pace uh, at times throughout today, which was good. So, oh, sorry, um, during the game, not today, obviously. Um, but then McInerney kicks again to Heaney. It's a bit of a miss kick, so I think Heaney gets it on the bounce, or he any anyway, he doesn't take it cleanly. He bats it on to, to Parker, who then handballs it to Joey Kennedy, who gives. Parker a rubbish handball back to him and then Parker because of that that um, that 
poor execution of skills, handballs it into the forward 50 towards Wick, uh, Wicks, and then he's under pressure and then it just sort of falls apart. So my two examples um, talk about how it's good right up until the inside 50 and, and then our decision-making and our usage and the way in which we enter. And then it just, it did, we just didn't stand a chance. And that goes to back up our points, what we're talking about um, when we're mentioning some of those stats. So I know there was a fair bit of negativity in my favorite moments there. Oh, lastly, Blakey in the ruck um, jumped higher than his opposition non-ruckman and then had a, a nice little, um, I guess, a, a hit out or a tap down. Um, and then, if, and then he, I don't think he was, um, it wasn't too long after that, he was injured and really running on one leg. So, yeah, look, after a couple of weeks of poor form, Nick Blakey did a couple of things I thought looked nice, but it was unfortunate that he, uh, he got that corky. So, yeah, look, uh, wasn't much to, to love. Um, but, yeah, I think your point about how the guys, um, you know, stuck in there and, and didn't make it an 80-point game is probably the, the, the thing to take away. So, all right, we're going to move on to our five best players on the ground using the 5-4-3-2-1 scoring system with five points being the best. Steve-O, can you kick, uh, kick off yours, please, mate? Okay. Uh, five to Josh Kennedy, four to Callum Mills. Honestly, after that, I was already sort of struggling to get blokes that I wanted to put in the vote. So I ended up going with Warner for three, Parker for two, and Florent for one. Well, for the second week in a row, we actually have the same players. Again, the, the order is different. So I've got Kennedy for five, Mills for four, Warner for three, uh, Florent for two, and Parker for one. So given that we've got the same players, we can just have a general discussion about them. Um, so why do we pick Joey for five, mate? I think that he was he was really one of a very small number of guys who gave a consistent effort throughout the entire game. And he was he was in heart of the contest. In the last quarter, he went into absolute incredible Hulk mode and he got about, what, 15 or 16 touches or something just in the last quarter. Um, and he didn't give up the whole day. And that's what I liked about his game. Yeah, I mean, look, he had 42 disposals. That's huge. Um, you know, um, seven tackles as well. Like, he, he really did step up. And we'll talk about fantasy after this. And he did extremely well. And, it, look, I think his kicking has is, has improved slightly um, over the, uh, like, the, the opening rounds. Um, I think we've spoken offline about how, you know, he's a, he's a contested bull. He's not really known for his um, his precise kicking. But I, I, I thought he, he kicked quite well um, against the Suns. And it's just some of the, the use, like in that, that passage of play I explained before, um, you know, even with our more experienced players, such as Kennedy and, and Parker, they, they were also off, even though they had, um, you know, days out in terms of disposals. But I guess... In terms of Mills, um, similarly, uh, for me, look, he took 10 marks, 34 disposals, uh, seven tackles, um, you know, cleared it well. He, he was playing that defensive role. He seemed to slot back into that um, halfback, halfback role that we know that he can play so well. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I, he, he looked good, though, right, Steve? He did. In addition to, to all of his kicks and marks and stuff, he had a huge amount of the ball and he used it at, I think, about 85% efficiency, which is very, very excellent, I think. And he was he was sort of calm and composed. And in a game where we were constantly under the pump, he was at least reliable and he was consistently there as, um, as a bit of a talisman type player. So I thought, yeah, he had a good game. Yeah, definitely. And I think that maybe we left Lloydie out for that, the, the fact that his disposal efficiency was was well, I don't know what it was but I, I by the naked eye it wasn't around 85% so yeah look uh, even though he racked up the pill again Lloydie um, yeah I just think his um, his execution was off so that's why he didn't make my top five at least anyway um Chaddy Warner the Chad um, a, another game 20 plus disposals uh, five tackles uh, a goal even though I think he probably could have kicked two or three I wish he'd just stop looking for options and just goal from the 50. How many times do we see Chad Warner in the clear running into the 50? Um, I don't know. There's, I think there was probably two or three occasions in the game against the Suns. So, look, obviously he's a – I think he's a selfless player by nature. But, yeah, sometimes in a game like that, you just sort of want the Chad to take the ball by the horns and <laughs> and, and wrestle the, you know, the, the, the game back in our favour. But he, he, he had a great tag on Tuke Miller. 
I think the, the commentators were saying that Miller had 16 disposals at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and then Warner went on him in the second and third, basically, and shut him down for four disposals apiece for, in the second and third. Um, I didn't really know that he had that element to his game, but he seemed to, to play it quite well, right? Yeah, he did. He tried hard to. I mean, that's why I liked his game. And on a day when not much goes right, I tend to look at the guys who gave a, a strong effort throughout the whole game. And, and yeah, just um, the way that he was able to... Um, to you know, do a job in that game, play a role, shows another side of his game, which we um, which I mean, he's played what half a dozen games. He only played what two last year, and we're up to round six of so his eighth, eighth game of league footy. So he's developing as a player, and it showed something else that um, that is part of his development. So yeah, I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, I think he's probably one of my favourite players this year, if not um, the the favourite. So the next two we've got, we both had uh, Florent and Parker. You had Parker too. Florent one and I had the reverse of that. So, look for me, Ollie Florent um, similarly uh, had twenty three disposals, five inside fifties. Um, had that lovely goal that you mentioned already. Um, I just think his usage was he was he seemed cleaner than he had been in recent weeks. Um, but obviously, Luke Parker continues to be you know the backbone of our team. Um, why did you have Parker ahead of Florent? I think he. He was he had a consistent effort through the whole game. I thought Florent, um, he kind of came in and out of the game a bit. He was especially in, good in the last quarter when we started to play a bit better. So I think he had a very, very good last quarter. Um, I think roughly half his touches came in the last quarter um, or something like that or a bit under. And whereas Parker, I just thought was a bit more of a four-quarter player. Even though he didn't have his best game, he was still, he was there and he made an effort and he was one of the ones who I think, um, you know, you could see he was putting in. Yeah, definitely. Look, and Luke Parker is my long-term favourite player. I'll just lead with that comment. But, like, he, I think he had a bit of, like, even though he had 36 disposals, and as you said, he was consistent throughout, uh, he didn't get on the scoreboard, which he normally does. But, yeah, look, he he had a he had a couple of shockers, mate, didn't he? It's like he got held with the ball, that, that fend-off that totally missed on Rankin. Um, you know, I, I think he'd want a couple of these back, but... Uh, look for every game that he has um, a couple of these shockers. Um, you know he, he he has five games in a row where he pulls it off. You know I think last week we were talking about his strength um, in the contest to be able to like get you know as he's being tackled get rid of the ball correctly. You know either by a handball or a kick. Uh, but yeah, I think he just um, he missed out on 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 doing that against the Suns, but definitely was still an even contributor and um, you know one of the senior players of the team. Um, but yeah, uh, if you've got nothing else uh, for the, oh no, we're going to give an update, aren't we, Steve-O? Yeah, the leaderboard. See, we're, um, we're six rounds in, aren't we? So we're going to give you give you all a bit of an idea of who's in line to get their name. Did we agree that that would be the prize for the medal, is that you get the medal named after you, the inaugural winner for 2021 will become the, um, we- the, the proud name to be put on the medal. We discussed it, and and then in the interim, we've been using a Bob medal. So, we'll we'll wait and see what who ends up winning it. And uh, yeah, if we'll a Bob is catchier, if it's a player we like, then we'll we'll keep the name. But if it's someone else, then we won't. Um, I guess we've got ourselves to blame. Yeah. So as it stands, we are, I'll give you a quick update. Um, Eighteen players have received votes, which is pretty good. That tells us there's been an even spread which is pleasing. Um, and so the leaderboard, as it currently stands, we've got Kennedy, Reed, and Florent on 12, Hickey and Warner on 15, Luke Parker on 16, and then the runaway leader at the moment is Callum Mills on 25. So we're currently on track for the Callum Mills medal. Does that sound good? How do you like this? That, sound? Sound, that sounds pretty cool, the Callum yeah, Mills medal. I, I kind of like it. I could go with the Callum Mills medal. So well, uh, yeah, shorten it to the to the Millsy. Yeah, yeah, the Millsy. Everyone wants to win a Millsy. There's, there's only... Who doesn't want to win a yeah, the Millsy is the most uh, coveted award in in the industry. <laughs> Poor Bob Skilton. Wow. Um... Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. So we're gonna we'll give um, updates throughout. So we just finished round six. We'll probably um, give another one around uh, probably just before the buy round, if not the buy round. Something maybe, like and then we'll yeah we'll give three or four updates throughout to keep. Um, people updated and uh, also to keep us on our toes, make sure we're <laughs> recording all this information. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that's good. All right, steve if you've got nothing with a Bob, I'll uh, push on to fantasy update. 
No, that's it. I guess the only thing we need to think of is how we present the medal to Callum Mills should he win it. You're living in Sydney. Maybe you can organise something with the club. Yeah, I've got him on speed dial, mate. So um, it's it's all good. I'll just reach out to him and be like, Millsy, hey, you've won this medal that's now named after you. And he'll be like, <laughs> who are you, mate? And I'll be like, it's not he. He'll be like, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's how uh, that fantasy goes. So from one <laughs> fantasy to another, mate. From one fantasy to another. All right, I'm going to give a quick update on our AFL fantasy team, a bevy of bloods consisting solely of current swans, but it's not just swans at the moment. We've got a few ex-swans in there uh, brought about by this injury crisis that we're currently going through. In general, we had two of the top five high scores of the game. The highest scoring son was Tuke Miller on a massive 142. Uh, After round six, a bevy of bloods climbed three and a half thousand spots to sit 76,594th. The top swans was Kennedy on 146, uh, which was the highest of the game. Mills on 142, Lloydy on 114, Sinclair on 110 and Parker on 105. Uh, the pros were Joey and Mills were massive, huge scores. Obviously, Lloydie's backed up a fourth week in a row with a ton. So that's just incredible work. Uh, quick con, I moved the captaincy, and it's always the captaincy. I'll struggle with this. I moved the captaincy from Parker to Lloyd. Um, so that was an 11-point gain. So that wasn't too bad. But obviously missed out on, on Joey and Mills' huge scores of 140-plus. So that was very painful. Interestingly, we improved in rank, even though we had four players on the field on the field who did not play. So they they recorded zero scores, and that was Gould, Ling, McCartan, and McDonald. Obviously, McCartan injured and McDonald uh, rest. Oh, down in the in the VFL. Toby Nankervis was brought in for uh, Sinclair at the time, uh, but obviously had to get Hickey out. Um, and then Sinclair back in with Hickey's injury. And, and Toby Nankervis did very well against uh, the Melbourne Demons, Maxi Gorn, with a respectable 91. So we had very solid scores in the ruck, 110 and 91. Uh, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that, that we had four players who didn't play and, and I've climbed, we've climbed 3,500 spots. That's just like <laughs> baffling to me. But I guess, you know, the, 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 the stats and the algorithms don't lie. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's the fantasy update. Uh, we've got no uh, match reports or fines to discuss. So we're going to move on to segment two, AFL Hot Topics. We're going to have a quick chat about the VFL, a VFL update. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how the ladder is taking shape. Uh, so I'm going to give a quick uh, update on the VFL. Um, obviously, the twos played on Metricon, um, the actual ground, not a training ground, not the council training park like they listed. Uh, before the seniors game at, at nine o'clock in the morning, um, the Swanee started well and basically led uh, throughout the first and halfway into the second. But then the Suns came home strong. Um, a couple of their players really stood out to me: Malcolm Roses and Asa Wayo. I'm hoping I'm, I'm getting that pronunciation pronunciation right. They were incredible for the Suns and really need to be playing AFL. So good competition there for the Suns. Of the senior listed Swannies, uh, Dylan Stevens, Sam Gray, James Bell, um, Joel Amati, Will Gould, and Maliki Carruthers were all very good. Um, McCartan, Paddy McCartan, uh, continues to build some confidence playing majority in defence. Um, Stephen, did you get a chance to see this, or were you, was it at a time that was just shocking? No, it was on at, I think, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or something. So I, I have to rely on your report for this one. Goodness, where's your loyalty? You'll have to trust me. Um, yeah, look, it, uh, we ended up losing by... Oh, we came back within seven points with about five minutes to go, and then the Suns got a couple of a couple of goals to finish, I think, in the end by maybe 12 or so points. I'll have to double-check that. But, yeah, look, we, we certainly didn't deserve to win. Um, but, yeah... Look, Similar, same sort of players um, keep performing. I could probably add Lewis Taylor to that. He wasn't too bad either. Um, Yeah, we're building up a good depth base, I think. But um, yeah, Will Gould pushed forward to kick a beautiful goal from 50 plus. But geez, he's got a thumping boot, that bloke. Uh, I've mentioned this to you before, and I'm going to say it to the listeners probably for the first time. Should we play him as a third tall forward in the mould of Plugger? You know, he's not 127 kilos, but he's a big lad. Maybe he gets a run in the forward line because obviously we're stacked in the backs. Any thoughts? 
Yeah, when you see him running around out there, he looks like a man, doesn't he? And he's what, 19 years old or 20 years old? Like this is his, well, it's his second season, isn't it? So yeah, he's like barely 20, maximum 20 years old. Um, he and, turned 20 uh, in January this year. So yeah, he's okay. just he's a couple of months into 20. Yeah. yeah, and he's a big, big unit. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, opportunities are going to be limited. I, we certainly could have used um, uh, a strong dominant forward against the Suns on the weekend, like in the seniors, that is. And, you know, who knows where they end up playing him, but I think they need to play him because he's coming into his second season now in the AFL system. And there seems to be a bit of an impatience among players coming in in recent years that they want to be getting a taste of senior footy quite early, or they're going to take a contract from some other club that will give it to them. Um, and fair enough. Like I, I totally understand and respect that they're professional athletes and they've only got a certain window in which they can have their professional career. So if they can get a game somewhere else, good luck to them. But um, if he's not playing by the end of the year, then, you know, you'd, you'd totally understand if he went somewhere else and, I don't want him to go because he looks like he could be good. So, yeah, let's get some games into him somehow. Yeah, I think we um, we, all, we were saying that Dylan Stevens probably fits into that category as well. And obviously he's played a couple of games already, but, yeah, we want to try and get him back into the seniors sooner sooner rather than later. So, you know, he he and Gould don't start looking around for other options. But I should I should say Joel Amati played quite well. He kicked three goals. So there's there's another tool that could probably, you know, potentially come in and, and help us with our, our, our woes in front of goal. Um, McCartan, Paddy McCartan did drift forward at times, but I don't know if he actually kicked a goal. If he did kick, it was one. I'll have to double check. Um, but yeah, look, Gould, uh, Gould is the big question mark for me. Um, that you know, he continues to play well down back, but is there somewhere else we can play him? Like this guy was a he's a gun junior, like SA captain, all Australian. As you're saying, like if he, if we don't get him in, uh, I'm worried that he's gonna, yeah. Head home, and obviously we don't want that. Um, all right, Steve. That's I think that's probably enough for the VFL update. Um, in terms of how the ladder is taking shape, do you want to just uh, give us your thoughts there, mate? Yeah, I guess there are two parts to this. We were chatting about it how we how we'd structure this, and I guess there's how the ladder in general is looking, and you know all of the teams, and then where the Swans might fit into that whole thing. So first of all, we can talk about the ladder itself. Um, it already looks at this stage of the year, I, I think. Um, that six of the teams that are currently in the eight will probably play finals. And those teams are the Bulldogs, Melbourne, Port Adelaide, Geelong, Richmond, and Brisbane in, in whatever order they end up sitting in there. I think those six teams will play finals. That only leaves two spots. And the only teams that I'm willing to write off right now are um, North Melbourne who haven't won a game and probably Collingwood who've only won one game and that's it. All the other teams, I reckon, um, have Collingwood won one or two? Anyway, not many. They're, they're close it's... to the bottom. I think they've won once only, maybe. They may have won a second. I'll, yeah. I'll check that now, Steve-O. But yeah, yeah cool. there, it, has, it hasn't been many. Yeah, so so they're the only two. So that, that leaves, you know, teams seven through to 16 as all teams who I think are kind of about in that um, same area. They're all the sort of teams who can, like, you know, your, your Sydneys and your GWSs and your Essendons and, um, and your Fremantles and your St. Kilders and your West Coast, all these teams that on their day, they can be great. And on their on their down weeks, they can get built by 100 by Geelong or, you know, Swans can lose by 40 to Gold Coast or, or whatever. Or St. Kilda have been having a couple of, um, like, Essendon smashed St. Kilda recently. So all of these teams that are a bit up and down. So then where does Sydney sit? among that um i mean at four and four we were flying and now we're four and two we've got geelong next week and then we've got the demons to come that can easily be four and four but then i think that's about right compared to the start of the year because at the start of the year we wouldn't have thought we'd beat richmond or brisbane and we did so we kind of got two that we had never expected to get and we've dropped two that we thought we could have had so we're, we're going to be about where we might have hoped to have been anyway um it's really going to come down to to who can beat the teams that are around them, I think. So that's why games like that one against the Gold Coast were so important. Um, we've already managed to bank two extras against that top six, which we've now pretty much dropped because we lost to the Giants and to the Suns. So we're, we're kind of back on an even keel, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, I I've just checked there. So I'm um, just to add to that that Collingwood are one and five. So yeah, you were right. They'd only won one. But yeah, like I think last episode we both said, you know, Sun this game against the Suns is one that uh, you know I don't think we went in um, with arrogance. Uh, I think we we both acknowledged that it wouldn't it wasn't going to be easy. But um, I, I, I don't think that either of us thought we were going to get beaten by 40. So, yeah, I think we're both, uh, not just us, but we're, I'm sure the team is too, like very gutted not to be um, five and one and up there um, with Port. But, yeah, as you're saying, four and two is not too bad, especially because we've uh, knocked off the Lions and the Tigers and no one expected that. But, yeah, look, uh, obviously the Bombers could have gone either way and the Giants went against us. So, yeah, it's just about how we it's it's just effort. I think you hit it on the head. We've got to come back and actually play. So, you know, doesn't matter who it is cuz you know, as you said, any any given day, you know, a team can come out and belt you if you're not switched on. So, we just have to we just we've got to be switched on, really. That's my point. I don't know. I haven't really mentioned anything about the the ladder there. I've sort of just echoed our uh, key takeaways and and first impression, but yeah, that's really just my big point. <laughs> Yeah, and I think at least like what you said, it's it is these games which could have gone either way, and because there's a massive bunch of teams that are between, like I said, seventh and about fifteenth or sixteenth, means you have got a lot of these eight point games through the year. Like they're just constantly backed up. We've got um, we've got you know two of those top six coming up in Geelong and then Melbourne, but then after that we've got games against Collingwood, um, the what do you what do you call it Carlton, Fremantle, St Kilda, Hawthorne, all in a block of about five or six in a row, I think. And maybe Port is in there somewhere. I forget where they're in. But we've got a lot of these games against teams that if we can win, you know, half or two-thirds of them, then all of a sudden you're in contention for that seventh or eighth spot. But if you drop, you know, more than half of them, you're back down, you know, 12th or 14th or something. Yeah. Look, I was I was hopeful that we'd, we'd go out to Metricon and, and play on a different ground with maybe a little bit more space uh, than the SCG and and to back up this this crazy conspiracy that I I have brewing in my mind that we're we're going to lose every home game but win every away game sort of like um, the opposite of the Eagles um, who who clearly can't play football outside of WA um, but yeah um, yeah it's obviously wasn't the case but yeah the log jam in the ladder at the moment Steve so seventh to tenth are three and three and that's the Tigers the Lions the Crows and the Eagles and they could all maybe bar the crows, um, depending on how their youth go, they could all be, you know, top eight contenders for sure. And then it's 11th to 16th, who are all two and four. And that's the Suns, Bombers, Blues, Giants, Hawks and Saints. So, yeah, we're coming up against a lot of those teams. We've played a couple of those teams already. But, yeah, it's um, it was really painful to lose to drop the Suns game because that, that one really would have helped us in the coming weeks. But... We didn't deserve it, so it was a fair result, I think. But, uh, yeah, look, it is what it is. We're obviously watching with much excitement and anticipation, but first things first, obviously, uh, we've got to look at the round ahead first. So that's a good segue. We'll go on to the next segment. Um, uh, in this last section, we're going to focus on three games, most importantly, the Swans' next game, and then two other games of interest. Uh, Steve is going to introduce one, and I'll do uh, the one after that. And then we'll finish up with uh, the rest of our tips for the round. So uh, game six of round seven is a home game for the now fifth place Bloods taking place this Saturday, the 1st of May at the SCG against the fourth place Geelong Cats with first bounce scheduled for 7.25 p.m. local time. All right. Uh, after the Suns game, Steve, how did we pull up? We had a few injuries, didn't we? Yeah, not well. I mean, if we go back in time, we got we got Heaney back early. We weren't expecting to have Heaney back yet. We've got him, so we're going to assume we're going to have him next week because we haven't heard that he didn't pull up okay. He, he had a quiet game, but he seemed to have got through, so I guess we keep him. Um, but then we heard... I mean, we knew on the game day that Hewitt would be out because Hewitt was the concussion player subbed out. So that means he misses a guaranteed 12 days. So he's out. So no, no Hewitt. And then we've also heard today or, or yesterday with the time zones, I can never figure out when it happens. But I found out this morning, finish time, that Sam Reed, or maybe it was late last night, finish time, that Sam Reed is also out with a calf. So he'll be gone for a few weeks. And then coming out of the game on the weekend, there was also injury clouds over Blakey, who got a really nasty-looking corky and looked like he was playing on about half a leg for most of the game. But he he soldiered through 
So we use credit to help with the structure and the rotations, which was, which is good to see him do that sort of thing for the team. And, um, and then brand also was very proppy towards the end. So who knows his status? We haven't heard anything from the club, or at least I haven't read anything or seen anything. Um, that's the status yeah. with the outs. Yeah. I got the impression that, that brand who, who, Stepped up, he stepped in and played very well. I thought. Um, I got the impression that he he was he was cramping up a bit. Um, I, he got winded. It looked like he got winded at one point, but I think later on in the game, um, yeah, he's having a bit of calf crampness. So maybe that's just from not having played at the level for a while. So hopefully it's just general soreness. But yeah, look, okay. So um, Hewitt's definitely out concussion. Um, they're saying McCartan is probably ready to go. He he, he was uh, had a hamstring injury that kept him out of the Suns game. So you would think he steps into that back line there um, if he's fit and ready to go. Fair enough? Yeah, definitely. If McCartan's fit, you'd reckon he's straight back. Good to go. All right, uh, Reed uh, with his calf. Obviously, Logan McDonald played a half against the VFL. Um, forgot to mention that. He had a couple of kicks and one goal. He really wasn't very active, but you would say that he's going to have to be called back up just given that we're without... Buddy without Hickey, um, without Reed, like we've, we're we're just short of tools. So you would say that Logan's going to be brought back up, right? Yeah, I mean they'd, they'd have to. It's got to either got to be him or um or Joel Amadi, one of the two. Amadi, yeah, you need, yeah. need some like they need a a tall in there for sure. Yeah. Okay. So if Blakey doesn't pull up from his corky, um, then who do we go with? I think we both are keen to see Dill Stevens get more of a run. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see him get an extended run in the seniors. He looked really good in patches last year, and he was best on ground in the reserves. You've you've said on um mm. on the weekend past. So yeah, and he's been that injury sub a couple of times. So he's clearly on the cusp of of getting in there. And I think it was a bit of a case earlier this year where it was kind of him and uh, and McInerney were kind of head to head going for the same spot. And I think McInerney probably came back from his injury a bit quicker and got into some form a bit quicker. So he got in and now he's there and he's been playing well enough to stay in there. So, so Stevens is on the outer bit. And I think this would be a great chance to throw in Stevens and see what he can do. Yeah, definitely. And look, Blakey's left footer, Stevens left footer. They both play that sort of uh, outside wing role. Um, Stevens has actually been playing a bit, bit of inside as well in the VFL, which is um, good to see. Yeah. He had 32 disposals or something. So he was, he was all over it. We know he can, um, yeah, he can push forward and kick a goal. Like he's a class player, and he's going to be hopefully a, a fantastic player for the Bloods for 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 many years to come. Um, but yeah, I think the timing is probably right uh, in terms of Braden Campbell. He was the medical sub used for Hewitt. Um, I think we're saying look, he, he looks a bit tired or lacking confidence, so probably best to go back to the VFL um, and then have a have a bit of a run there. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, I'd like to see him. Like, he's obviously a very, very talented footballer and he's shown us what he can do at AFL level, but he's a young guy and it's a long season and, you know, physically and mentally it takes a toll and it's getting into that, you know, one and a half months. If you include the preseason, they've been playing every week for two months now at AFL bodies. It's a big difference from playing in the in the underage footy. It's a massive, massive step up um, or from playing VFL or any of that. Um, and I, I think that we, we often underestimate just how big the step up is for these young guys to go straight from underage footy into AFL footy. It's enormous. Um, and especially last year being so disrupted with the COVID situation. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him just go into the reserves for a week or two and just get some confidence, you know, trot around the park, get a whole bunch of the football, feel good about dominating a game, um, work on bits of his game that they've identified from the seniors they want him to, to touch up and then come back firing in a week or two is how I'd like him to um, go. That's that. I mean, we're not the coaches. We don't know. We're just, um, we're just, <laughs> we're just playing, playing Longmire and, um, <laughs> and seeing, seeing where we end up, but that's what I'd like to see him do. You know, <laughs> I think that's fair enough, mate. Um, in terms of brand who, who we've both said, look, look quite comfortable at the level, obviously is an AFL level player. Um, he's a big body. He's 198 centimeters, about hundred kegs. So you'd think if he's fit, he would stay in and he, he would probably will potentially get the matchup against um, against Tommy Hawkins. But, you know, is Rampy a sneaky chance? You know what he's like, you know, he's just strapped, you know, tape me up, I'm good to go, throw me on. Um, there's every chance that I've got this weird feeling that he's, he might play. And so if Rampy <laughs> declares himself fit, then you would think that, that you know, probably he comes in for Brander. It, it all depends on, on how far McCartan's away. But if McCartan and Rampy are fit, they're, they're our two tools, right? 
Oh, or Melikin's still in the mix as well. So do we go with the three-tall setup? Yeah, I wonder that because, I mean, Geelong have got these two big key forwards in Cameron and Hawkins that, that need to have um, tall, strong defenders against them. So that's two. But then if we play three talls, say, so let's, let's assume that Rampy doesn't play. Let's say he's still injured with the ones that, um, that are more likely at the moment. Let's say that, um, that we do have McCartan and Milliken and, um, and Caden Brand all playing in the same back line. Do we have a matchup for a third tall player or not? What do we do with, because um, if Rampy's in, it's different because he can play smaller. Um, but then in Milliken, McCartan and, and Brand, you've got three genuine talls. And if Geelong doesn't have like a Radaglia or someone playing, then who do we play the third one on? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think McCartan. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's going to depend on, on how the Cats, um, you know, structure up their forward line. But I guess we can talk a little bit about that um, in a couple of moments. But so if Brand is out through soreness and Rampy's not ready, does Will Gould get a game? Hang on, I'm trying to think. How many outs have we got, and how many ins have we said we want? So, so there's four. Yeah, I know this is it, right? Yeah. Hewitt, Hewitt out, McCartan in, Reed out, McDonald in, Blakey out, Stevens in, Brand out, Rampy not fit, Will Gould in? Question mark. Hang on, I, I'm I'm lost here because they're not position for position. So if, if Hewitt goes out, we bring in a smaller player, right? So who comes in for Hewitt? Well, no, no, no. I, I think you can put uh, McCartan in or or, Rant, or Gould. I, I don't mind. I was saving that for the last for impact sake. But McCartan comes back into the back line and then you've got McCartan and Melican as the two tools. Reed is out in the forward line. Logan McDonald comes in. Blakey's got a corky. He's around the midfield. So Stevens comes in. If Brand, who is, uh, well, I guess he was the second tall, in, our, in the game just um, against the Suns, but McCartan and Melican will take that. So then a third tall, if Rampy's not fit, could go to Will Gould. Yeah, maybe. It depends if they play Campbell too. Maybe they'll play Campbell. Um, but they won't put him in the reserves because he's another one. Because if he stays in, because he was the injury sub last week, ended up playing almost a full game. Um, but if he plays, then I guess he stays in for Hewitt, who he directly replaced last week. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's going to come down. It's going to come down to Blakey and Brand, I think. Yeah, it depends but, which um, ones of those guys are fit, and and also how they want to match up against Geelong too. Yeah. Well, we're always looking forward to when the teams are announced, and obviously it's a Saturday game, so it'll be announced on Friday night. So um, we're halfway through, or we're early week here um, in Sydney, so we've got a couple of days. Of, of of waiting and seeing until that comes out, but obviously they'll they'll announce the update of the uh, injury injuries around uh, Thursday, um, in the lead up to the team announcement. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for that and obviously reflect upon that in next week's episode. But in terms of which Swan flies high, Steve, who's going to have a big game? I think that Heaney this week is going to um is going to lift. He was really quiet last week on his on his return match from that injury, unexpectedly early return match from that injury. And I think he's too good a player to have two quiet weeks in a row and he'll he'll come out firing this week. He'll enjoy being on the SCG, get a bunch of goals, he'll have an impact and hopefully help us kick a good score. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair enough. He's the kind of player who can do that. Um, for me, uh, Tom Papley was stifled by lemons um so that doesn't happen too often um because papley is usually in the mix you know he's, he's usually one of our, our better players i'm not saying he played terribly but i think that uh their, their lemon their, their player lemons did a very good job on him so i think papley is going to bounce back you know and I, I don't want to put the miles on him but i think he's going to kick about four goals and he's just going to razz up uh the opposition he's going to get the scg firing and humming and it's going to be the the Tommy Papley show so that's the way I see it mate in terms of the cats who do we need to be wary of uh the two I mean in this we sort of alluded to this already talking about what to do with our back line and we've I mean between the two of us we come up with about five or six different scenarios to what we do with our <laughs> with our bloody key defensive situation if Rampy's not back and depending on McCartan's fitness and all the other variables and will Gould play and all of these things um and the main reason we're thinking this is because they've got these two um, absolute grade A forwards in Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins that they plonk inside 50. And we need to figure out some way to cover them. Um, and I think a lot of thought will have to go into that during the week. 
Um, and no matter who's down there, assuming Rampy isn't in, but maybe he does pop in. If um if if your if your mail is correct, I want to know where your information comes from. Which which cafes you're hanging out in these days to, <laughs> to hear that Rampy's a possible in, but um because <laughs> I didn't get this the is whisper. this is just not his gut gut feeling. <laughs> okay. Mate based on Rampy's uh, past performance. Yeah. yeah. But this, is, this, is, this is unofficial. This is just pure, pure speculation. Your <laughs> gut has been impressive this year, though, because you tipped the Swans to beat Richmond, and the listeners don't know this, but we do a run sheet before, the, before we record each episode where we put in our, our talking points and our tips and stuff and, and you know, um, a few stats to remember. And in the original run sheet for the Suns versus Swans last week, you actually had Gold Coast written down and then you changed it because um, I don't know why, but your original gut was... Guilt. I changed yeah, it from guilt. guilt. Yeah. yeah. So if if you got those two right, then I reckon Ramp, you might play. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're talking doesn't, about... Still doesn't <laughs> explain why I'm probably losing the tipping comp, mate. <laughs> I think you're actually... Well, actually, next week, we did the update of the, of the ABOB medal or the Callum Mills medal this week and next week we'll have an update of the tipping and see where we're at but i have a feeling you might even be ahead i'm not sure oh, okay um, i'll take whatever whatever wins i can get mate yeah so so anyway so um so yeah so if we don't have rampy if we're hoping we have mccartan um still we're going to have a pretty inexperienced defensive pair that aren't used to playing together because that's the other important thing it's not just having two good defenders they've got to know how to play together and how to work off each other. And that's what Rampy and McCartan have been doing so well. So even though we've brought in good replacements, it doesn't replace that understanding necessarily. Um, and then our midfield, no matter what, is going to have to help them out by minimising the clean ball going in. Because if if Hawkins and Cameron are getting it lace out where they want it in that funnel, like in, in front of the, the the goals, 35, 40 metres out, they're going to have a fun night. It's going to be a field day. And you mentioned lace out. Um, Mitch Duncan had an absolute huge game last week in, in Danger's absence. And he is a gun player. And I think that he's going to be one to look out for. Joel Selwood um, just is, I think he's made of concrete or something. He just continues to lead from the front with this just incredibly high standards. And he's the kind of player that you probably wish was, was the captain of your team. And I think he's probably going to have a big game. And, and I, Puffett, Brendan Puffett. I, I think he's a he's one of these players that's just going to get better as the years go on. We we obviously know he's a tackling machine. Um, he hasn't been too accurate this year, but I know that he can um, he can he can you know score a goal uh, when he needs to. So for me, these are three players that I think we do need to look out for. In terms of and we've touched on on it already, but we'll, we'll do it again. What do we need to do to come away with a victory against the Cats, mate? Oh, look, just effort. I mean, I think if you improve the effort, everything else starts to flow on. You know, you you start to um you start to connect with your disposals, you start to link up, you start to um you start to win those, you know, 50, 50, 60, 40 balls. Um, and yeah, effort can can change a lot of things. And honestly, I, I look we're playing a very good team and I won't even mind if we don't win as long as that effort is there and, and we see an improvement from last week on that and I'll be happy. Bang on, mate. What we want is some hard blood style footy and to get in there and have a real crack because it, you know, it's just unacceptable to, to, to see the, the Suns beating us at every contest. You know, three or four players around every contest and where the second one's there, that's just very unblood. So, look, that's what I want. I want us to just get in there and have a crack. And as you say, if we end up coming away with a loss, it won't matter because you can hold your heads high and say, look, we had a real, a real go. But obviously, we want to do both of those things. We want to have a crack and we want to compete and we want to be in it enough to, to have a win. So, yeah, that, yeah. that's it for me. In, in, in terms of form, um, both Sydney and Geelong are, are four and two. Obviously, we've lost our last two um, and they have won their last two. Um, we have had wins against Brisbane, Adelaide, Richmond, Essendon, uh, loss against GWS and the Suns. Uh, the Cats, on the other hand, have lost against Adelaide. They've won against Brisbane by one. Ooh, controversial circumstances. Definitely are holding the ball on Blitzars. That was uh, Zach Bailey uh, every day of the week. Um, they beat Hawthorne by five. They lost to Melbourne convincingly. They beat North Melbourne unconvincingly, and then they thrashed the Eagles. So I can't get a, I can't really get a read on this Geelong team, mate. 
Where do you, I mean, obviously we've spoken about them being, you know, a top, a top six team probably by the end of the season, but are they contenders? Do you think this is a question without notice? Do you think that, that the cats can go as far as they did last year? I want to see them play some more of those other top six teams. Cause I think that, that there's a six and then there's a, another massive group this year, like we talked about when we looked at the ladder. Um, I haven't decided what I think about Geelong yet. I can give it three or four more weeks and then, and then I'll have more of an idea about where I think they sit. Fair enough, mate. That was uh, a very conservative response that we uh, got from there, uh, got from you there, Steve-O. Uh, in terms of head-to-head, um, Geelong have won the past four games. And that, that was Metricon. We lost by six last year in the last game of the year. Uh, and then we got beaten by them at the SCG. They beat us in Geelong and then they beat us at the SCG. The last time we beat Geelong was in 2018 and that was down in Geelong. The average scores uh, that we score is 70 and Geelong scores 80. So it's usually a pretty close game. But Geelong has definitely had um, our measure over the past four years. So something to consider when you're doing your tips this week. Uh, with that in mind, steve who are you tipping? Geelong. Um, but I actually I, I have a little feeling that we might be a sneaky chance of... Um of taking it to them, but I'm still going to tip Geelong. I'm going to, I'm going to tip the cats because we're it's Tuesday night and we haven't seen the teams. And I think, I truly think that, that if, if Rampy comes in and McCartan come in, that changes things. But until that's announced, I'm going to go with the cats and also off the back of our, our effort against the Suns. you know, so the things that I need to see are the, the teams and then the actual effort on the game day. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with the cats as well. Um, Steve, if a group of swans is called a bevy, then what is a group of cats called? There are many names. You can tell how popular an animal is when you Google the collective noun as to how many different options you get. And for cats, there's plenty. So a clouder, a cluster, a clutter, or a glaring. And I like a glaring because that's what cat does, right? It looks at you across the room and just glares. They, <laughs> they, they don't smile. Like, uh, they're not... Um, so we're we're, we're daring we're daring to beat the glaring. That's that's where we're at. We are, and actually, I'm just looking here at the fixture because when you asked me about Geelong, and I said I want to see them play more of these top six teams, which includes them, so five. They've actually already played two of them, and they barely beat Brisbane, and they got beaten by Melbourne. So yeah, not nah, Geelong, another contender. There you go. Answered. Yeah, yeah, fair call. I mean, the other thing is they could maybe that that game against the Eagles has, is the turning point for them, you know, but. You'd never really know, so we'll have to wait and see. All right, we're going to look at a couple of games of interest, and we're going to start with you, Steve. Who are you? Which game are you looking at? Okay, I've got Brisbane versus Port Adelaide this week, which is on at the Gabba on the first day of May, seven twenty-five local time. Um, coming in, Brisbane's going to have a couple of forced ins. Uh, Gardner was concussed last week, and Lockie Neal is done his ankle. He's going to be out for a while, which is a big out for them. Uh, Port Adelaide had no reported outs from the weekend, no reported injuries from the weekend, but they will need to bring Sam Powell Pepper back in because he's been dominating in the sandfall and one of their sort of fringe guys like Drew or maybe Woodcock will make way for him. In terms of who comes in for um, for Gardner and Neil, Tom Berry was last week's medical sub, so you probably will stay in. And then um, Reese Matheson kicked four in the VFL, so he might be next in line to come in for, um, for Gardner. Then if we look at their form, Brisbane have been been all right. They've um they've won the last couple. Port have won three in a row now, so they're looking pretty solid. Um, in terms of who the good players are, I think that this week the the absence of Neil is significant for Brisbane, and the whole Brisbane midfield. I mean, you can't replace him with one bloke. He's he's a very good player, and the, yeah, the whole Brisbane midfield is going to have to lift to cover his absence. Um, if they're going to stand a chance. And Port, yeah, I mean, if they can get more of the same from their ball winners. I mean, we looked earlier at the Swans having, I think, 13 out of 18 of the lowest disposable winners versus the Swans. Well, against the Saints last week, of the top 15 disposable winners on the field, 13 of the top 15 were Port Power players, which is insane. Like, they just own the football. So they'll want to do that again. And I think Port, their running game's too strong. Without locking Neil, they're going to go more war through the middle where they're already very strong. So I'm going to tip uh, Port to win away. 
Yeah. Okay. Fair call. I think that's probably that's. I think I'm going to do the same. So we'll we'll summarize that later on. The match I'm going to look at is the seventh placed Richmond Tigers versus the first placed Western Bulldogs at the MCG on Friday, the 30th of April, 7:50 p.m. local time. Uh, round six injuries. A uh, couple of big ones for the Tigers. Obviously, Lambert with a calf and Dusty Martin concussed. So how do you replace Dusty? Right. The dogs themselves had carnage absolute carnage so lin jong unfortunately did his hemi after a extended time off that's really unfortunate for him josh dunkley dislocated his shoulder twice i think in the space of five minutes he's out for two or three months uh and tom english got uh, an astronaut's knee uh, aaron norton's knee to the face and is concussed so in terms of who comes in for them um, Mark, uh, for the Tigers, I think probably some of their younger midfielders will get a look. Uh, will Martin, maybe uh, Riley Collier-Dawkins will finally get that game. Uh, otherwise, um, yeah, it just depends on how they want to structure up. Um, in terms of the dogs, uh, you know, we've spoken about their depth before. Um, they can go with Lipinski or West or or Rourke Smith or any of these guys that, that, that can come up and, and have a crack. Um, in terms of the ruck, whether they stay with uh, just Steph Martin or they bring in Jordan Sweet um, for a second game um, is yet to be seen. But, yeah, I mean, obviously Dunkley out for the Dogs is huge, but I think he's able to be covered, whereas Dusty out for the Tigers is a gaping hole, and it would be if Dusty was in your team. Um, in terms of the last five uh, form and the win-loss, Richmond have beaten Hawthorne, lost to us, uh, lost to Port, beaten the Saints, lost to Melbourne, and they are 3-3. Three and three. The Dogs have won everything. They're the only other, uh, the only, well, one of two teams that are 6-0, the other team being the Demons. The Dogs have beaten the Eagles, the Roos, the Lions, the Suns, and the Giants, um, and just look in, in fantastic form. Um, the key players for me, Richmond, I think Rewalt's going to step up and have a, have a big game. He usually does in these, these crunch games. But I think Edwards, Cochin, Graham and Short also need to step up and, and, and really, you know, play their part for, for Dusty being out. In terms of the dogs, it's the same sort of people. Uh, McRae, Bont, Liver, Bailey Smith and Norton. Um, you know, I've said it two or three times, Dusty is a huge out. Um, Lambert is is a consistent player, so that's just as big. So they really need the, those guys I just mentioned to step up and help out in the middle. Um, Dunkley, wowzers. Uh, I still wish he played for the Swans. I can't believe we didn't get him in the father and son, but I'll complain about that in another episodes, uh, episode. But in terms of the dogs, um, their depth runs deeper. They bat deeper. Um, so I think they're going to have players to step up and fill that void. So for me, the dogs to win. How about you, mate? Yeah, Bulldogs too. I think it'd be a cracking game though. I think Richmond have got a lot of pride and they won't um, they won't be happy that they're sitting where they're sitting, but I still think the Bulldogs will win. Yeah, similarly, mate. And just on your game, I brought uh, Lockie Neal into one of my other fantasy teams last week because he was it was a it was a really good buy for him to only do his ankle and he's out for what like six to eight to thirteen weeks or whatever it is. So gutted obviously for him and the, and the Lions, but in a fantasy sense also. All right, rest of the round, the tips for the rest of the round. Um, really quickly, we'll run through this. Game one, Tigers and Dogs, both going Dogs. Game two, 17th place Pies against the 11th place Suns uh, at the MCG on Saturday afternoon. Who are you going with, steve I'm going with the Suns. They're going to back it up and show that last week was, um, was the start of a good, a good build. I'm going to go with the Pies uh, just because I think that they're – yeah, I just think that they're gonna they're gonna have to bounce back at some point, and it's probably gonna be against the Suns, if any. But yeah, all right. Game three, ninth place Crows against the fourteenth place Giants in Adelaide on Saturday afternoon. I'm going with the Giants away. I'm taking Crows. Tex Walker is on fire. Yeah, he's looking good. And I think you said your mate Phil Thorpe, who's built like a man, uh, is is a you you watched that game, didn't you? I did, yeah. I watched the Crows Hawks last oh, Sunday. I guess it was on Sunday, and yeah, that Tillthorpe, Tillthorpe, however you say his name, that was second in the draft. He was good. He kicked his five goals in in the space of two quarters. I think he was impressive. Yeah, very good. Wowzers, good, uh, good signs for the Crows going forward. All right, game four, sixteenth placed Saints versus fifteenth placed Hawks at Marvel on Saturday twilight. I'm going with the Saints. They need to bounce back. 
Yes, so am I, but I don't know why, because they haven't been very impressive, have they? Um, yeah, I'll go with the Saints. Why not? All right, game five, eighth place Lions. Oh, Lions and uh, the Power. You've already given that, and we're both going the Power away. Game six, we've got fifth place Swans. Well, this is Swans and Cats, and we're both going Cats. Um, the glaring, the glaring of Cats. <laughs> All right, game seven, we've got the last-placed Ruse versus the second-placed Demons in Hobart on Sunday afternoon. Demons, goodness, this could get messy. Yeah, I have nothing else to add to that besides... I'm, I'm all, poor North Melbourne. It's not the time you want to run into a team, is it? <laughs> not not a team like the Demons. No, who are in, like they're touch. struggling. They've lost six in a row. They'd want to have a game against, like, Collingwood or, you know, Hawthorne or the Swans on a bad day. <laughs> Yeah, but no, they copped cop Melbourne. Oh, well, I'm tipping Melbourne. Tipping Melbourne. Okay, yeah. game eight, 12th place Bombers versus the 13th place Blues at the MCG on Sunday, Twilight. Uh, look, the Bombers for me. Yeah, me too, Bombers. Yeah, they look pretty good again in the Anzac Day game. I think Zach Merritt is just, oh, and Darcy Parrish. Whew, what a game. Um, game nine, last of the round, 10th place Eagles versus the 6th place Dockers, a local derby in Perth. Um, or Derby and is it Derby in Perth or Derby in Perth? I always forget. Um, on Sunday night, so I'm going to back in the Eagles to bounce back after that cat's demolishing. How about you, mate? I'm going to go for the Dockers, mostly in tribute to the, the Turco Dockers, the team that I play with and coach here in Finland. So it's going to be a win for the Dockers. Oh, good there, mate. We've got three games um, that we differ on, so it'll be a nice spicy uh, round nonetheless. Uh, let's hope they get a, a, a crowd in there at the game. Obviously, there's been a lockdown uh, in Perth. I think they opened up this uh, today or yesterday at Monday. So hopefully they can get a big crowd in there and, and, and really get everyone back to the footy. Um, yeah, but okay. So that brings us to the end of this episode. On behalf of the Bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Bevy of Bloods for updates and announcements. Until then, up the Bloods and calm the Swannies.